0: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for
1: life. And I know there's a lot of things you may want, but it ain't gonna come from you. And it, it's exceedingly better if it comes from God. And God, it says, is called the Father of Lights. That that's that should be a real motivator for us to resist temptation. In which temptation, that's going to come from Satan. If it doesn't come from God, it's going to come from Satan. And who is Satan? Is he the father of what? He's the father of lies. Yeah, but he's also the father of darkness. Darkness, the Father of Lights, says here, with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. That means. He's not going to change. God does not change. Now, during the day, you can see shadows will turn and vary and all that. They're changing because the sun's passing over and the shadows turn and vary. But with God, there is no changing. He does not change. Malachi 3 and 6 says, for I, the Lord, do not change. I'm glad of that because when he promises things, he keeps them. He doesn't go back on his word. He doesn't flip-flop and change his mind like men do. And also what we read, the fact that God brought us forth by the word of truth to be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, wow, the best of what he has made indicates our incredible relationship that we have with God. If he would think of us as that, first fruits of creation, what a relationship that indicates we have with God Almighty, that we believers, those who have submitted ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, such a good relationship we have with him. There is no reason whatsoever why believers in Jesus should yield to temptation before yielding to obedience in God. There's no reason why you should give up into temptation as a believer when you should be giving in your submission to God first, because that's where our inner being delights in. You, know, you got two different things at work in you here. You got your flesh that says, Give me the sin but then you've got your inner being that says, give me the delights of God. You've got to make a clear choice in your mind which one you're going to listen to, the flesh or the inner man, who's going to win today. That's how you've got to make your discernment choices. Okay, God does not change. His gifts are perfect and available to us. We are always able to choose Him over temptation. Choose God over being tempted. I think there's... Always somebody that tries to twist up scripture. Jesus confronted this with Satan, and Jesus gave us a very good picture of what it's like to say, I'm choosing God the Father over temptation, because Jesus did this himself. This was from Matthew 4 and 5. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan, he twisted scripture, and people are doing that all the time. Satan is the one that invented it, okay? He twisted scripture to try to get Jesus to do something. He tried to get Jesus to submit to him. And he twisted scripture trying to do it. But Jesus called him out on it. And he set the record straight by not giving in to the temptation, but by going to the unchanging word of God. The unchanging word. Believers have to mature. They have to spiritually grow up, (laughs) if I was to put it in blunt terms, and not live according to temptation, but according to what God's word says. And if you don't know what God's Word says, you need to start reading it. You need to start hearing it, hearing it preached. If you truly got saved, then something in you should have changed. If you, really got cha- if you really got saved, something in you will change to where you no longer want to live the way you used to. You can't be the same old person that you've always been and not be changed. No change, no salvation. And so with that change is going to come a change of desire you're going to have an inclination to want the desires of God rather than your own. And that's where you're going to start having your victories over temptation. Ephesians 5 and 8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Okay, we heard Father of lights, didn't we, from James, the Father of lights. Be children of light. Walk as children of light. And Jesus showed us a perfect example of what to do when we're tempted. Even if somebody twists the scripture up to try to convince us, you better know the word of God. Jesus knew the word. He is the word. And he quoted, not to contradict the word against itself. Remember, Satan was twisting it up. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, it's not what it says. Don't put the Lord to the test. What Jesus did was he demonstrated that his priority was, his focus, his devotion, his, he was committed to the Father. We need to be committed to the Father, not your own self. We have to learn how to resist temptation's deadly draw, or we will never grow into the spiritual maturity that God desires for us. A lot of that's going to happen through how you conduct yourself under trial and temptation we have to move past the old sinful characteristics that we used to run with. There was a lot of dumb things I used to do back in my old unsaved life, but I don't do them anymore because I've been saved by Jesus. I'm not who I used to be. I'm a different guy now. That old Ray is dead. But if I was still doing the same old stuff all the time, I'm proving I really didn't get changed at all. How are you living under temptation? That's going to show a lot you got to move past the old stuff that we used to do and on to better qualities better better behavior better decision making better things that reflect the nature of god rather than the nature of sin and james tells us how to do that in james 1 and 19 it says so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Again, James is not talking down on anybody because he wants his audience to receive this. This is one of the little sharp verses that people get upset about. So, he he's saying, "My beloved brethren," is what he said. He means he's identifying I'm one of you that means I got to follow this too. And me, Ray Jensen, I have to follow this as well. I'm not just telling you to do it. I have to do this too that there are Three things this is a three layered set of directions that we have to do, and this is the one, two, threes of um avoiding temptation. the one, two, three of avoiding temptation. number one, fast to hear, fast to hear. You need to be more a listener than you are a talker. You need to listen because when you're listening, you're not talking, <laughs> at least for me <laughs> i don't know that people can listen and talk well at the same time. So you got to be listening, be a listener to slow to speak. I know that people say things that just burn you up and you just want to, you just got to say something. No, you don't. You don't. What are you demonstrating as a believer of Christ? What what are you putting forth? Be slow to speak and slow to wrath, slow to wrath, powder kegs. The powder kegs—people that just boom—they go off in a split second—and man, they are going because I I just don't care what anybody thinks. You talk to me wrong, I'm gonna. No, that's not the life of a believer. It's tempting; it is a temptation to not listen, to say what you want to say, and be mad about it. Well, that's the sin nature, guys. We have to be better than that. We're supposed to be children of light that reflect the same uh, character qualities of God, the Father of Light. And this is how you do it. This is exactly how you do it. Fast to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Well, Ray, I'm not like that. Then turn and be like that. Become. Show that you're really saved or not. That's the one, two, threes of avoiding temptation. And you can see how all three of these qualities play into each other. Because when there's an argument going on, the one who is listening rather than blasting their opponent with angry words is demonstrating that they are slow to anger because powder keg people they they just can't do this people that just got to go off they they just cannot do this they just can't be quiet to be a listener their anger shoves them headlong into being the one that does all the talking and you know how it is with some people whoever shouts the loudest and last and the most wins at least some people I've met or if you turn on TV and watch some of those reality shows, whoever talks the most loudest and the the angriest and gets the last word, well, that must be the winner. No, maybe worldly terms, but not if you're a believer in Messiah Jesus. I hear people try to justify themselves sometimes for their temper, their anger, and their mouthing off. Well, that iris just comes out of me sometimes, or I was raised like this, or whatever. This isn't godly behavior. Yeah, I've got a temper, I've always had a bad temper, but I've also got Jesus, and I've had to learn how to control it and maintain it. If you got to go off and hit a punching bag for a while, go hit it. You got to count to 10. If you got to go off somewhere and, and chew on nails, I don't, whatever. Don't blast off like this. It's ungodly. It's ungodly. The grace of God that saves us is what enables us to have self control. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, having the Holy Spirit of God. In Titus 2.11, it says this. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, all men, that's mankind, everybody, teaching us that denying ungodliness, that means saying no. When ungodly things want to come up, you say no to that ungodliness. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly. Basically, uh, Titus 2.11 says that grace teaches you self-control. Well, I don't care. I just go off. You're not exercising grace or you don't have it. And if you don't have it, you ain't saved. You got big problems. You need to get right with Jesus Christ. Grace will fix you of that and it will teach you to say no. Get ready to pop. No, not going to do it. Not going to do it. I have the grace of Christ. I got to be better than this. I got to show the unbelievers what godly love looks like. Control. Whenever those that just go off whenever they want to, even go so far as to justify it, what they're doing is they're proving they don't have the grace of God, that they're displaying they're not saved. And so it's no wonder they blow up whenever they feel like it because they have never placed their lives in submission to Jesus Christ. And the evidence of that is that they pop off anytime they want to. Anytime they get mad, anybody does them wrong and offends their desires and what they want for themselves. Christians are supposed to be geared the other way around. We're supposed to be thinking about everybody else. So when somebody's going off on you, you just want to let them have it. And you just want to wring their neck. Maintain your composure. It's not about you. It's about them. Show them Christ. They need to be saved. They need to learn the self-control that comes with grace. Don't think selfishly. Think for them. Now, remember, when you're about to burst with anger, no matter how justified you think you are and exploding with anger, remember the wrath of man, it does not produce the righteousness of God. It cannot produce anything good. Question Are you saved? Well, yes, I am. Are you really? Well, yes, I said the prayer when I was 16 years old or whatever, you know, I did this thing. Then why does that temper? make you submit to it, rather than you making the temper submit to self-control. There's an equation there, and it is biblical. I showed it to you. How come you can't get that equation right? Which way are you? While we're here, I want to point out that James one twenty says that the wrath of man is what does not produce righteousness. The wrath of man does not produce anything righteous at all. Notice it says the wrath of who? Wrath, period? No, it says the wrath of man. Man. A lot of people try to take passages like this, and they say that it's wrong for God to have wrath, because, you know, God is a wrathful God. He's wrathful against sin, evil, wickedness. It makes him angry. And a lot of people try to take a passage like this and say, no, wrath does not produce righteousness at all. And so what they do with that is God has to be only love, And therefore, he cannot, that he is not permitted by them to execute judgment, to ever execute judgment on them. It says the wrath of man does not produce righteousness. It doesn't say the wrath of God. The wrath of man does not produce righteousness. God has wrath. He has righteous wrath. We need to recognize that about God. Don't twist these scriptures. Satan taught you how to do that. Don't do that. Well, God can't have wrath. It says that wrath can't produce righteousness. No, it says the wrath of man can't produce righteousness. We have to remember we are the sinner, not God. We're the ones that's tainted. We're the ones that got messed up and corrupted, not God. God can have righteous wrath. The wrath of man produces nothing righteous. Now, there's times when People can be righteously angry about some things, but that's a shared desire with God. Not your own desire, a desire of God. Now, the wrath of man, your own, just you, just in my own little box, my world and nothing else, that wrath does not produce anything righteous. Our wrath is not like God's wrath. It's tainted. God's wrath is not tainted. It's holy, just like his love is holy. And God's love is not like man's love. It is exceedingly good, and it is pure, untainted by sin. James one twenty one. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, I don't know what you're going to think of me for saying this, but it's really going to stick. Okay. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. When I think of the words filthiness and overflow, what do you think of? When you think of filthiness and overflow, what does that make you think of? Come on. Makes you think of a toilet. (laughs) doesn't it (laughs) makes me think of a toilet. And you know, we have to consider just how foul sin is how disgusting it's filthy it's dirty it's unclean it is rotten disgusting sickening or as my germaphobe friends would say that's gross it's it's sick as believers of jesus we have been given grace grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness it enables us with godly self-control therefore lay aside all filthiness And overflow of wickedness. And receive, he says. That's what I'm praying that you will do right now is receive this implanted word that James is trying to teach us, that I'm trying to teach. Receive that. You've got to set aside the overflow of wickedness and the filthiness. Set it aside. It's going to drag you down, it's going to drag you away. It's going to hook you. It's going to be your end set it aside get rid of it before it does any damage or any more damage than it has and receive the implanted word <clears throat> receive the implanted word with meekness meekness means there's no fight with it there's no friction there's no hostility towards accepting the word it means you have a quiet gentleness no friction to submit to the word's authority a lot of people, they don't want to submit to the authority of God. Receive it with meekness. Say, God, I want to submit to you. I want to submit to this. He offers a crown of life in this, guys. There's huge reward in this. You'll never get that crown of life yourself. The only way to get it is through God. That that entitlement to spouting off, and I say what I want when I want to, you got that from the TV set. You got that from your culture. You got it from Satan. And y- you want to talk about who's easily duped, who's easily fooled, that's somebody that's easily tricked. It takes a educated, good mind to think about these things of God and say, you know what, I think that's a better thing to submit to. So receive that with meekness. And so, again, those that want to just spout off and just overflow, I'm going to say what I want. It's no wonder they call it potty mouth, overflow, filth makes me think of a toilet how is your mouth you should receive the word of god it'll change your life you cannot receive the word of god which can save your soul if you are not with meekness you have to receive it with meekness yes lord i want it if meek is not you that's just not me ray sorry okay i understand you you do get your choice but if meek is not you then follow james advice and remove lay aside the filthiness, and then see what God does. Find out there is something in your life that is pressuring you that you can't get rid of, and you'd love to have it gone, and you would do anything. Anything, would you? Would you receive the word of God with meekness to get rid of whatever that thing is? How about try it? Lay it aside. The overflow of wickedness. Lay it aside. You're not entitled to having whatever you want and say what you want if you're going to be meek and truly saved by God. I want you to receive this word so you can be saved. James is telling us how Christians should be. James one twenty two. Here's another one. This is a good one. James one twenty two. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. (laughs) This is quite a popular verse here. I mean, it stands alone well by itself. It's one of those post-it note verses you can stick on the wall, and it's got enough within itself to really see powerful stuff. It's a good verse. Don't just listen to the word. Do what it says. How many of you have listened to a good teaching and thought, oh, I'm pretty good. And you went right back out the door and just went back onto the way things have always been. You heard it and you're not doing it. And then you start thinking, well, you know, God's not that big a deal to me because you're not doing what you heard. If you did what you heard, it would make a huge difference. The blessing would flood in and you'd go, wow, this stuff really works. But because you're not doing what you're hearing it's, it's like a guy who looked at himself in a mirror and left and he, done, he forgot what he looked like. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Those of you who actually take time to hear God's word preached, and that's getting to be slim these days. There's a lot of people, they say, well, I'm saved and all, but they don't, they don't care to hear God's word preached. They wouldn't make it past five minutes of listening to me teach. It's just too boring. They got other things to do. Their desires are different than that of God's. People who have a real desire for God, they want to hear God's word teached. Even if it's from somebody boring, and I think maybe sometimes I'm boring, I don't know, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> are you actually doing it? If you're hearing it, are you actually doing it? Don't just listen. Do what it says. It doesn't do you much good to hear it if you're not going to do it. If you're just going to hear it only and not do it, what's the point? What good is that? Some people, they don't consider God's word worth obeying. And it's the people so, yeah, well, we're busy. Or, yeah, yeah, I I believe in God, but I just don't have the time. You don't find God's Word worth obeying. Just go ahead and swallow that down. If that hurts you and you're convicted by it, change it. Start listening to God's Word. Get involved in a Bible-teaching church somewhere. It doesn't have to be mine. There's several out there. Get involved in a Bible-teaching church. Go listen. Don't count ceiling tiles and go, well, I'm here at the church, and I did that for the week, and go home. You're not hearing. Hear the Word. The pastor is teaching you for your benefit. He's trying to get you to receive and go do it, what it says. So, when you listen to God's Word, you should be seriously considering how to apply it in your life.
0: Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time
1: I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.
0: You'll be set for life. You'll have all you need. Just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set